Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gauzy Geekdom Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Crystal Williams. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm joined by my equally lovely, talented, amazing, kind co-host, Lizzie. Hi! I'm Lizzie. My pronouns are she or he, and I'm actually here this week after I've been gone for a million years. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, we all know you are on another planet fighting uh, intergalactic war against an alien race that wants to instill conservative Christian values upon us. Yes. uh, Taylor Swift loaned me her dragon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is the dragon the name of her ship? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's been a great help. She's been a secret financial backer in the war against um, conservative aliens. Conservative. <laughs> uh, that she's actually a sponsor for our show, which is weird because she doesn't give us any money. I know, but she's an she's she's an emotional sponsor, and oh. she she gives us nothing but content. When it's just you and me, Crystal, it turns into the talk about Taylor Swift for an hour show. Yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, because we, we dumb. <laughs> we like Tay-Tay. We like the Tay-Tay. Speaking of the Tay-Tay, should we talk about the <laughs> insanity that ensued last night? Uh, sure. So, uh, what is today's date? Now I'm blanking. <laughs> Presently, it is July eighth. Great, and July seventh, something happened. Something would you like to Would you like to introduce the thing that happened? Okay, so on July seventh, speak now, Taylor's version, which I think we've explained the Taylor's version thing on here. Here we have. It's yeah. basically just like re-recordings of all her music with vault tracks and all that stuff. Yes, she's re-recording her first six albums because she wants to own her masters because they were sold to a man she hates against her express uh, wishes. Yeah. So it's fun to incentivize people to actually buy and stream the re-recorded versions instead of the original. All of the re-records include vault tracks which were songs that were scrapped, written for the original albums, but scrapped during the uh, recording process. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. Some of them are fine. But either way, it's a fun it's a fun experience. A lot of the songs, it's very fun to hear her singing as a grown-up because she started recording when she was, like, 16 years old. So it's fun. It's a good time. And last night, she released the – yesterday, I should say. She released the highly anticipated Speak Now, which is her third album – uh, it's also one of her best albums. <laughs> it's got Enchanted and Mean and Mine and Sparks Fly and Long Live. And, of course, Better Than Revenge. Back to December. Song. Back to December! That song's great. That song's amazing. That's actually, I like the re-record of Back to December more than the original, which is not true for every single one of them. I feel like every single re-record, every single individual song is not necessarily better to me than the original one. But Back to December, the production... On the re-record for Back to December, I don't know. It's just, like, immaculate. It's perfect. I'm glad because that's mean and that song are my favorite songs on that album. Those are valid choices. Yeah. I can't even begin to tell you because you – and I'm so sorry you didn't get to have this experience, Crystal. But Speak Now came out when I was 12, so when I was in, like, sixth grade. That was 2010, right? Yes. So I, I graduated high school. 
Yeah, so I, I got to be middle school girl. Um, listen with I got to have mean as a comfort song while I was being bullied in middle school, and for that I can never thank Taylor Swift enough. It is very important to me that she understands what that song did for me and millions of other lonely children in middle school. It was very important. Yeah, it was kind of that was a repressed crystal time period, so I didn't have a, a young female artist that I felt like I could safely attach my uh, uh, fandom to during that time. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here now, though. It's the best. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm happy that I, in my in my old age that I've come around. <laughs> but um, so last night Taylor, of course, she of course is doing the Eras tour right now, and she had a show last night. And while me and all like and you, Crystal, and like Liz, you were at work last night, right? While this was happening, I was at work. Yeah, because I worked. Everyone was at work. Here's the thing: we knew she was releasing the album. Like the album was out. We'd all listened to it at midnight the night before. Like cool, but um. Last night she had a show, and while literally everyone, all of us were at work, our entire six-person Eras Tour group chat, we were all at work, and while we were at work, Taylor Lautner, the muse of Back to December, best breakup song ever. <laughs> breakup, apology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was at the show. He arrived at the show with his wife, Taylor Lautner. Tay and Tay. Tay and Tay. We love Tay. And then a three Tay. Tay cubed. Back when Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner were dating, that was their couple name in the in the fan space was Taylor Squared. It's cute. So now they're now the three of them together. It's Tay cubed. Is it cubed? Yeah. When it's three, it's cubed. It's Tay cubed. Sorry, my my math is bad. It's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. Um. <laughs> but he arrived, and now me and all of the other uh, dumbasses with uncreative imaginations uh, saw him arrive, and we were all like, oh, she's going to do Back to December tonight. She didn't, which is a little bit of a missed opportunity, but I can maybe understand why she didn't, because maybe maybe the song about how much she misses him is not the best one to play with his wife right there. But <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, that's it's a little bit of an awkward choice for sure. But it's also his wife's favorite song. She's talked about this. Well, yeah, she seems happy though. I yes. saw the I saw the TikTok you sent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very very sweet. He showed up, and here's the thing: there had been rumors for a minute that Taylor Lautner was in um, the music video she made for one of the Vault tracks for Speak Now. That was a rumor that had been flying around for like a few months. Um, and yes, he was, he was, she made it, she made a music video and it was awesome. She that made video music, was great, actually. For, for what, that she premiered at the show. What's um, the name of the song again? I, it's I'm called blank. I Can See You. It was one of Vault Tracks. Right. Okay. Well, it was actually my favorite Vault track, so I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I won. <laughs> it was a great video. It's fun. You know? It, it's very fun. Well, because it's also got a uh, Billy. Not I was about to say Billy Lord, not Billy Lord. Joey King. Joey King. You see how their names are the same to me in my brain, right? I get it. Yeah, they're yeah. young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It had Joey King. 
um, uh, in the music video and Taylor Lautner. And the premise of the music video is that Speak Now era Taylor is like trapped in a vault and they need to break into a museum to rescue her. And she takes, she takes, she takes the, the painting, which is the album out too. The, the Taylor's version album with her when she's yeah. from the vault. And it's, it's very. It's a metaphor. <laughs> It's very cute. For the, the the record, the reason Joey King is in the, the video is because Joey King, when she was only, like, nine years old, was in the original music video for Mean. Oh. Is that what that costume is? Yes. Oh. I didn't... Again, I didn't grow up, so I didn't That's okay. like that. So I didn't... I didn't... It didn't... <laughs> I didn't... I don't know the... Con- I don't... I'm, <laughs> I'm... I'm a comic movie nerd, so I get, like, Easter eggs in those movies, but, like, in... <laughs> In Taylor, it's gonna all fly over my head. I'm the guide, and I love I love educating you. It's so much fun. Um, I, I, I thanks. I need the education. When she was a little baby, when she was nine years old, she was in the Mean Music video, and then Taylor brought her back for this. And so was um that woman, that other woman who was like in the truck. She was the girl in the chair. Cash, is it? Her name's Cash. Mm-hmm. She Presley Cash. Yes, Presley Cash. She okay. not uh, very famous right now anymore, but she was also in the original Mean Music video. Wait, so Presley Cash? Wait, she has a name that's the last name of two of the most famous musicians of all times. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, that's cool. <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun name for her. Yeah. But yes, they were they were both like in there, so they're both from. Um, the, they were in the music videos for the original Speak Now era, and so Taylor brought them back. And then Taylor Lautner <laughs> was in the video, and the video was full of lots of fun Easter eggs. First of all, in the museum was all of her costumes from mm-hmm. the original Speak Now tour, which was amazing. That was a very fun thing to watch. Um, a fight scene. <laughs> there was a fight scene, and I need you to understand. This is very important. Taylor Lautner in 2009, when he and Taylor Swift were dating, that was like the peak, like, like kind of the peak of his fame, right? It was the height. New Twilight moon. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. New Moon was coming, had just come out. He was dating Taylor Swift, <laughs> like it was a big deal. And he had, he was the the host of SNL. Like it was like two or three weeks after the VMAs incident with Kanye. Mm-hmm. So, in, and here's another thing, and I'm not sure if you remember this specifically, Crystal. Taylor Lautner was on stage with Taylor Swift when the Kanye thing happened. Yes. Yeah, he was one of the presenters for the award that she was winning. And I remember when it happened live, actually. I saw it when it happened live. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, he has since, like, talked, talked about how what actually happened was that he felt like he, like, Taylor Lautner was only 17, and he was on stage, and it was loud, and he thought that this was a rehearsed bit. Yeah. As it was happening. He didn't, like... Well, that's what you would think, right? Most of the people, sort of most people, to be honest, like, in the moment, initially, were like, oh... It's a joke. It's a joke. This is a bit that they rehearsed, and it wasn't, which is... Oh, God, the butterfly effect of all of that. But, like... But so the, on his monologue for SNL three weeks later, there was a whole joke about how he stood there and didn't do anything while his girlfriend was being shit talked on stage. Um, 
And so there's this bit in his monologue, his opening monologue for his SNL hosting gig where he um, does a fake fight scene with the backflips and the katana and the... <laughs> um, and he pretends... And the d- dummy of Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> um, and so the fight choreography in the music video is exactly the same as the fight choreography from his SNL monologue in 2009. <laughs> that is funny. And I was dying. I was watching this on the bus home from work, and I was, like, crying, laughing. I was like, oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Uh, I might watch that video again. It's a fun video. It really is. It's, like, definitely a rewatchable one, you know? It is, and it's got Easter eggs for 1989, which is definitely the next re-record. Well, that's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. Just, frankly, the whole video, the same way, so, like, when Red came out, she had that music video for I Bet You Think About Me, where the premise was that she was an ex-girlfriend interrupting a wedding. And yeah, I, was, I remember that. This is the biggest Speak Now Easter egg ever. This is the, the premise of the music video is Speak Now, so the, the song. And so that's why I knew, since ever since she made that video, I was like, oh, Speak Now is next. Like, everybody else was like, oh, but it could be 1989, and the whole time I was like, no. <laughs> Like, this no. was it. Guys, this was the Easter egg. Y'all are overthinking this. It's Speak Now is next, and I was right. Um, and then 1989 is next. 1989 is next, because, like, this, the premise of this whole music video is the heist. And, and yes. Bad Blood was already a heist music video. Like, it's very, like... Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was an action video. Yeah, yeah like, like, think. Think, guys. Think for... <laughs> let's, let's use our big kid brains. <laughs> And stop thinking that Taylor Swift is being super cryptic when she's really obvious. This is the thing that drives me crazy about Easter egg discourse, is people, like, overthink it so much, and they're, like, counting the laces on her shoes while she's, like, Taylor Swift could walk out holding a sign that says, 1989, out August 14th. And then they'll, like, count, just like, oh, but there's seven laces, there's six laces on her shoes. That means reputation is next. And it's like, no. And there's six letters in that, like, sign, you know. (laughs) Yeah, like, shit like that. Like, people, like, super, like, like, they think that she's being super cryptic, and it's like, she's not. She's not. Taylor Swift's idea of a super secret special Easter egg is wearing the color of the thing. And putting the, like, Nate, she put the Wait, name. Wait, are you saying that Taylor Swift uses colors for different meanings? What? No, never. Never. It's almost like there wasn't ever a song that, that you could work as a, as a, as a decoder for that. <laughs> <laughs> huh. <laughs> oh my god. Do you, I remember when Midnight came out and there were people speculating about what era Maroon was about. And I was like, I need you to be so fucking serious. She's like, no, she wouldn't be that obvious. Yes, she would. She's not writing fucking riddles. She's writing a song. So what you're saying is she's not the Riddler. (laughs) She's not not writing. Like, it's it's just so stupid. I'm like, it's Maroon. Like, it's Maroon. She has a whole era about this specific relationship that was read. And now this song is maroon. Now that she's older, she looks back on it, and it's maroon. I like. I need. 
Swifties are so dumb. It drives me insane sometimes. Anyway, she also, the other big event of the night um, was that she added Long Live to the set list. And as of right now, as of this recording, we don't know for 100% certain that it's permanent. But it feels like it should be, right? Because she had her, it wasn't a surprise song. Like, she did it after Enchanted as part of the Speak Now set in her Enchanted dress, which was beautiful, by the way. She had a brand-new special purple Enchanted dress. It was gorgeous. Um, but she did it with her band and full production. And, like, she only ever had one Speak Now song on the set list to begin with, so this is obviously the second one to add. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. Do you think L.A. is going to get an announcement of some kind? Or do you think we've gotten a lot already? Um, we might. I think we're definitely getting surprise guests. Probably, like, every single night of L.A. is going to get a surprise guest because mm-hmm. it's L.A. and they all live there. <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll probably get Selena or um, one of the nights Kendrick I'm really hoping for. I like, because she and Kendrick are pretty cool. They're, they're, they're chill. Um, and I think it would be really, 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 really fun if Kendrick came up on stage and did his part in Bad Blood. Well, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be so fun? Mm-hmm. That'd be such a vibe. But anyways, I'm, we're, we're getting ahead of I mean, it, his, his version of Bad Blood is like, like it's, it's better the, version. It's better. <laughs> and this drives me Great. Like, I literally can't, I skip, because I actually, like, Kendrick's version of Bad Blood, I vibe with. It's fun. It's good. Um, Plus, he's a good rapper, and he adds on top of it good. So, like, yeah. Like, obviously not the best song in either of their uh, repertoires, but, like, it's a a good good song. It's a good song, and the music video for it is really fun. And then the album version sucks. It's okay. Like, I, it doesn't suck. That's me being mean. That's me That's me comparing. Because the Kendrick remix feels finished. The production feels done. Something, like, the production feels unfinished in the album version. Wow. It's so strange to me. And also, like, the verses, Taylor's verses in the album version are not very good. The chorus is a bop like it always is. But the, her, her verses feel like filler. As opposed to Kendrick's um, rap verses in in the remix. I mean, yeah, it's Kendrick, so (laughs) (laughs) he's good, you know. Are you saying Kendrick Lamar is a good rapper? I'm saying he's a great rapper. Hot take there, Kristen. Very, the hottest of takes. Hottest, hottest of takes. I actually, oh my god, I have a thing to talk about with that actually in a minute, but let's pin it because I want to talk about Speak Now a little bit more. I have a, um, I have a, I have a copy of his damn album signed, so that's cool. That's so cool. Did he sign it for you or did you like buy a signed copy? I bought one on his website. That's super cool. I would have liked to have met him, <laughs> but I, it is still only like 40 bucks. So I was like, "Hell yeah! Why wouldn't I get a signed yeah, copy?" Absolutely. <laughs> if you were, especially if you're gonna order the CD anyway, like. Well, yeah, and it came with a digital copy of the album, so I was like, "Yeah, that's cool." Yeah, like, <laughs> why the fuck not? Literally, no reason not to. Um, that's that's super cool. That is super super cool. Yeah, that's like my prized like one I keep like in in its original box. You know. <laughs> 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 this this is one of the biggest rappers in the world. I need to protect it. 
Uh, I don't know how we have Kent. Like, can I? I that was a lot, a lot of stuttering there. I don't know how we are lucky enough that we exist in a time where Kendrick Lamar and Taylor Swift, and I know that they're super different artists, so it's really funny to talk about them in the same breath, but I think that they are extremely... They're both good lyricists. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's my point. Like, I don't know how we live in a time where we get to, where both of these people are actively writing and making music that feels like it shouldn't be real. Oh, I have a, I have a question. Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the song. But he did a song on the last album. Um, let me, if there's something you want to bring up, bring it up first because I'm looking up the track list because I haven't listened to his last album as much as I listened to Damn. Uh, My favorite still to Pin the Butterfly. Um, and a lot of that just has to do with timing. Like that album came out same year as 1989. It was when I was in high school. It, it just hit, hit me at the right time. Um, but Damn is really great, too. Um, Ray, Mr. Morell and the Big Steppers is the last album he did. Yeah. Um, he did a song on it uh, where he talks about having a relative who's trans. Um, now, now I'm, oh, it's called Anti-Diaries. There we go. Um. The song I, is a very, very pro queer, pro trans song. Um, but it, 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 um, it uses, um, homophobic and transphobic slurs in it. Uh, I'm curious what you think of, like, the context is to show how shitty homophobia and transphobia is. But yeah. it is a cis guy. It is a straight guy using, using these it. slurs. Now, uh, what, what do you, what do you think of that? I think, here's the thing, I am a person who believes, like, like I, I actually generally support the artistic use of offensive language, mm-hmm. um, and it depends so much on the context, and that's going to be different for different people. There are some people for whom it's just like, no, he's just a straight man under no circumstances, or he, does he have the right to use that language for artistic purposes, and I wouldn't tell anybody they're wrong for thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the thing about Kendrick Lamar is that he is an ally and an activist, and he is the kind of – I want to use the exact right right language here. He is the kind of activist who is able to empathize his experience as a black man. Mm-hmm to the experience of other marginalizations that he doesn't experience. And I think that that is an extremely rare thing for anybody to truly be able to do the way Kendrick Lamar clearly does. I think a lot of people try. I don't think a lot of people succeed. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you a bad person. Um, I think that at the end of the day, it's really, really hard to recognize the way that marginalizations are different and the same. Uh Uh-huh. Um... And Kendrick Lamar feels like a person who just, like, he sees the struggle, and I feel like he feels so much like he understands what his role in that conversation as an ally to queer people is meant to be. So that song, it doesn't bother me, because I feel like he is succeeding in his artistic goals with utilizing those slurs. 
Uh-huh. And I think that he is be like he is doing it in like, and I I feel like he understands. Um, but again, if another person, if another queer person says to me, I just don't, I I don't like it. I don't think he should have, he should have done it. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong for feeling that way. Yeah. So like another thing he does in that song is he, a lot of it's taken from the perspective of maybe himself, but maybe also like a sort of a fictionalized version of like a past understanding where he'll like misgender his trans family member mm-hmm. and like he also dead dead names Caitlyn Jenner uh in the like in the middle of the song and I think the point was to kind of like show the transition from like confusion to eventually understanding and, and sending love I feel like the song is really interesting because it had a really mixed reception when it when it came out where this is this is a a rapper in this field being pro trans and queer, um, which in the long history of hip hop music, I just say that's not the most um, common of things. Exactly. I, I, I also think it's in some ways it's a little bit of a misstep in exact in some of the handling of it, but I feel like in the middle. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I think it's also kind of like you said, um, hip hop as a genre is not one. And I'm, 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 I try to walk carefully, um, when I level any criticism against, um, hip hop as a genre because I understand that it's coming from a culture that is not mine and that I'm not a part of. No, I understand that. That's, um, yeah, but, but just, but, yeah. but homophobia, misogyny, and transphobia is a big, it's a big problem. In the culture of hip hop. Um, and it's also part of why I appreciated, I appreciate the way Kendrick tackles it with so, like, with so much self awareness. Right. The way he does. Yeah. Like, like it feels, to me, it just, it feels like he, I, I agree that it's not perfect. Um, I don't think it ever was going to be. Yeah, I think you should listen to the song if you haven't. It's called Anti, Anti Diaries off his last album. I don't know if you heard it. I had, yes, I, I did. Oh, you I, did hear it, okay. I did, because I remember when this was a conversation and I listened to the song specifically so that I could understand the different things people had to say. Right. I'm okay. sorry, did I, did I sound like I hadn't? I wasn't sure, I just, I just was, I just wasn't sure and I didn't want to feel like, sometimes I'll bring up something on here and I don't know who, you know, like, is aware. <laughs> and I feel, and I feel, like, let's draw another comparison to Taylor Swift real quick. Okay, let's, let's, let's also, also, you just reminded me of a conversation I thought was really interesting that I wanted to, um, to, to, I wanted to cover again because I felt that conversation when that song dropped at the time was really interesting because it was very nuanced, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I, like, Taylor Swift is also, um, at risk of the wrath of the Gaylers, shut the fuck up. Taylor Swift is also a cisgendered straight woman, mm-hmm. right? Like as far as we know, um, this, and as far as she is shared with the public, um, and she's got a gay. She's also got like a, a gay and trans rights anthem song <laughs> called "You Need to Calm Down," and that song is also not perfect. I like it. It's not a perfect ally song. It's a very much a straight person's perspective of. 
of um, queer issues. But in the same way... I think it comes from a genuine place of love. Exactly. It's so sincere and earnest. And it really comes from a place of Taylor Swift loves her gay and trans friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was really ashamed of not saying anything after Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to do something, and this is what she felt like she could do. Mm-hmm. And the sincerity for me, no matter how cringe some of the lyrics are or how off the mark she might be in places, the sincere desire to express her support and her love for these for for us and and for the community and for her friends uh, carries it for me. I I really do. It, and it's, it's so it's a similar thing, and it's a very different vein, but it's a similar thing for me with Kendrick. It's like Kendrick is coming from such a good place. Right. I yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of love in both songs. Yeah. For sure. It's so much coming from a place of I love you and I want you to be safe and I want you to be okay and I want the world to be a safer place for you. Yeah. And to me that's the thing that matters. It reminds me of that Patton Oswald bit. I don't know if you've seen it. Um he's got his Patton Oswald has this bit where he says, I want you to tell me who you think is a safer person for gay people to be around. And he's like, there's the, there's the, there's the Harvard educated person who will use these big, uh, who will use these, these big fancy words to, um, obfuscate their overt homophobia. And mm-hmm. then there's the redneck who might say slurs because he doesn't know better, but he loves you and he wants you to be able to get married. <laughs> Um, I'm not doing justice to this bit. Somewhat, like you should Google it. So yeah, I'll, I'll 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 watch. I know he's an ally, so he's he's really funny. <laughs> but it's like it's the question of like there's the there's the aesthetics of safety, and then there's the person who's actually safe, and mm-hmm. those two things are not necessarily the same. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. But we're safe. We are safe. We are a safe space for all. This is what the podcast is. Unless you're a Nazi, then we're going to kick you. Oh, unless you're a Nazi, then we're going to kick your teeth in. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, they did not, not see that coming. Hatch. <laughs> did, you hear, did you hear that people are mad about the way that the new Indiana Jones movies um, treats Nazis? Uh, no. I also want to see it and I haven't seen it yet. What, it why? What? What? It was good. Yeah, okay. It's I, not, did, not I think it's up to like Spielberg making his best movie ever. But <laughs> well, but it's good. I do wanna, I do wanna see it, cause I like indie. I even like Crystal Skull, so. They're too hard on Crystal Skull. Um, so I'll check it out. But are they mad because Nazis are treated as bad? The Nazis are bad. Why aren't you explaining? And it's a get like it's it it's treated <sighs> specifically. The criticism was it is treated as a given that Nazis are evil and bad. And the film does not go out of its way to explain why the Nazis are evil and bad. And it's like, I, this is Indiana Jones. And like, maybe, maybe, maybe in a different movie, 
I could accept a good faith version of that criticism. <laughs> right? Maybe. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. But this is Indiana Jones. You mean the movie where the the first one ends with a bunch of Nazis opening up a Ark of the Covenant? By the holy and awful and terrible power of the Hebrew God? Yeah. There's no no metaphor there, by the way. What? There's no... There's no... Huh. There's there's nothing political there about a Jewish filmmaker. That is the funniest shit I've ever read. Steven Spielberg, a political filmmaker. Yeah. Okay. It was totally a coincidence that Steven Spielberg, a Jewish filmmaker, would have the Nazis have their faces melted off. Yes, it's just a complete coincidence that the first generation Holocaust survivor, Steven Spielberg. His grandparents escaped the fucking Holocaust that Steven Spielberg was like, I'm going to have a but the souls of of ancient Jews melt the faces of Nazis at the end of my movie. Um, Fuck the man who made the color purple and Schindler's List and War of the Worlds. Like, say what you want about his adaptation, the quality of his adaptation of War of the Worlds, right? But, like, that's that's a political fucking, like, what do you mean? Are you t- are you talking about the movie like in the middle of the Iraq War a few years after nine eleven? About the way American citizens responded to a surprise and devastating <laughs> attack on American soil by an unforeseen guerrilla enemy? Not political. No, not at all. No, no. Politics like- is only when non-white people and non-straight people exist. Politics is when not cis het straight man is in the Can you imagine? And I think about this all the time. Like, I don't like to, I don't like to repeat the, oh, you couldn't make X movie today because that's bullshit for many reasons. First of all, it's like maybe you couldn't, but there's lots of things made today that you couldn't make 40 years ago. And also, why do we need to make it today? We made it 40 years ago, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do like the joke about. Blazing Saddles. You couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. Yeah, because it would be fucking Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah, you made it already. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, because um, Gene Wilder is dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right, we really couldn't make it. <laughs> People would be like, hey, this is kind of like a Blazing Saddles. like <laughs> Blazing Saddles. But, like, can you imagine, can you, like, and I, I can, because the new Indiana Jones movies treats Nazis, like, exactly the same way. But can Good. you, can you imagine if Raiders of the Lost Ark was made today? Can you imagine? The way they would hate, the way the, these men would fucking hate Marion, the way Or they, Alien. <laughs> they always use Ripley as a, as a... Ripley, and it's like, if Alien came out today, you would be losing your fucking mind. And it's so funny, because they're so, they're so dumb. They're so dumb. Alien is one of the most feminist films ever made. <laughs> and I know that Ridley Scott didn't mean to do that, but... <laughs> oh I mean, well. but it is. But it is. 
but you hired H.R. Geiger to design the alien. That was kind of it. <laughs> and you hired Sigourney Weaver to play the lead, yeah. <laughs> and you cast Sigourney Weaver to play the lead. Like, I don't... Or even aliens. I get... But the... But aliens might get more flack for the black, for the brown face in that movie, but... I'm just saying. I I saw that... Here's the thing. I saw that critique before I saw Dial of Destiny. I saw it, and I was so flabbergasted. I needed I needed my, my girlfriend trouble. She hadn't seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. And I looked at her, and I said, I need you to understand how stupid this is. I need you to understand how deeply, deeply ridiculous a thing this is to say about an Indiana Jones movie. So I showed her Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time, and she had fun. She liked it. Raiders of the Lost Ark is fantastic. Do you, right. have, a, do you have a favorite? Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. It's Raiders. It's Raiders. Okay. I was wondering, because some people say Last Crusade, and I and I think that's a valid choice, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm... I can't stress enough that I think either of those answers are correct. It's just yeah. that for me, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark for the very first time when I was 11 years old. There was a theatrical re-release. That's cool. It was, so I saw it in the theater, and my dad took me, and it was like just the two of us. Which is why I took him to see the new one in the same movie theater last week. It was very sweet. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but I just, that's just, that's a special to me. I think about Indiana Jones, and the thing I think about is sharing popcorn with my dad during the car chase in Raiders. Like, that's... I mean, that's movies, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the magic of movies. I, I love, I love, I love the indie films, even when they're, even, even in the weaker ones, but I'd say Raiders and Last Crusade are my two favorites. Absolutely, absolutely. And Last Crusade has Sean Connery, so it's like... Well, and Sean Connery is, like, really funny and charming in that movie. He is! Yeah. He's so good! <laughs> it sucks he's a misogynist, he's a misogynist but he was really good in that movie. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, I also showed my girlfriend, have you seen A League of Their Own? Yes, yes, like, I did see. Pagina Davis. I showed it to yes. her for the first time last night, and when Tom Hanks, like, basically had, like, Tom Hanks' arc in that movie is that he learns... To not be a misogynist? Not be a misogynist. Yeah. And I had to turn to my girlfriend. I had to turn to trouble. I had to say, when, like, Tom Hanks first reacts to his new job as the coach of the women's baseball team, and I had to be like, it's Okay. He learned I mean, a friendship. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, that it is weird to see him in that movie. But he's, he's very off type. It's very not a Tom Hanks, a classic Tom Hanks. Role. Yeah. Um, like he's not really, he's not usually one to play like a mean alcoholic. That's really not his. Not generally. He was in this newer film called A Man Named Otto. Yes. Uh, which. Did you see it? I didn't, but I know I, I saw the trailers many, 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 many times. I think it's pretty sweet, actually. Uh, but he definitely plays a grump, but they give him, like, a lot of reasons. You have to see, you'll have to see it. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> I will. It's on my list. It's on Netflix, I think. So it should yeah, it's be. on Netflix now, so it's an easy easy one to mark off. When you want something that's, like, a, a very sweet, wholesome movie... You can do that one. That's good. That's good. A League of Their Own is so fun. By the way, anybody who hasn't seen it is from 1992. It's about the first female baseball league. 
I liked it, but I I like the show more. <laughs> I want to watch the show. The show's gay. The show, well, so's the movie. Yes, but like. <laughs> but the movie is gay in the way that. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> obvious it's gay in the way that there's like madonna and rosie o'donnell are clearly fucking each other in the movie like that mm-hmm. is clearly supposed to be the point and at some point and it's played because it's played by a lesbian and a bisexual woman so of course of course there's chemistry like that and yeah. at that point the studio came in and was like if rosie o'donnell a subplot that she has a boyfriend <laughs> this yeah too, this is too lesbian and the sh- but the show does get a chance to be like explicit is what I mean. Yeah. That's that's that makes me happy. That's also, my- adds black characters and deals with racism of the time, which is even more interesting. I love in League of Their Own. They address racism exactly one time. <laughs> There's a montage, and during the montage, while the girls are practicing, a black woman walks up onto the field and throws them their baseball, and yeah. she shares a stare with Gina Davis. <laughs> And that is the movie's coming. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a level of uh, activism we all want in movies like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. It's a good. It's a good movie. It's that's a, fun a good movie. movie. It's it's just it's just a fun movie. I recommend it if you need something light and fun. It's also on Netflix. Oh, that's good. Yeah, just do it. Do it that. And so what you will. So the show is on Amazon, but the movie's on Netflix? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. What? <laughs> oh, man, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> streaming, streaming rights are so weird. It's so weird. Well, it's like how, um... Fuck. Something else just came out. Uh, not me. Uh, I've been out for a few years. Few years. Uh, I have Uh, jokes. Ah, 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 I'm so mad. Something else just came out. It was a new entry into a franchise, and it was weird and frustrating because none of the the old ones were streamable, and I'm so mad because I can't remember what it was. As Insidious? No, but I think that was an issue too, right? As Insidious, you can't stream most of the series. I think so. It'll come to me when we're done recording. Yeah, of course. That's kind of how it goes. Um, real quick before we go, I do have one thing I want to say about Speak Now TV, um, and it's the lyrics change. Yes, there's some That's change, change, change the lyrics. So for anyone who doesn't know, quick context, quick context, speed round. Um, when Taylor Swift was like 16, 17 years old, she was dating Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. He broke up with her in a 17-second phone call. Um, and then he immediately, and when I mean to say immediately, I mean immediately, immediately, started dating actress Camila Bell. It was theorized that he probably cheated, but we don't know that for sure as the public. It doesn't matter. All of these people are 35 now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've moved on. They've all moved on. Taylor sent presents to Joe Jonas's baby shower. Like, they are fine. <laughs> <laughs> but on Taylor's third album, Speak Now, which came out 
um, uh, two years after this breakup happened, there featured a song called Better Than Revenge, a little bit of misogyny as a treat, as we like to say sometimes. <laughs> Better Than Revenge, the entire premise of Better Than Revenge, the premise of the whole song is Taylor going, you stole my boyfriend, you're a hoe. Ah. That's so, uh, so misery business. That's the whole song. And is that now, is the song misogynistic? Yes. We don't need to debate that. It's just true. It is what it is. She wrote that song when she was 18 years old. And like I said, she's 33 years old now. Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> but she is re-recording the albums. So there was a lot of debate about if she was going to record, re-record. Because she said since in the, in the 15 years since this happened that, like, she doesn't really like the song. She's not very proud of the song anymore for all of the reasons, right? Yeah. Um, so there was a big question. Like, is she going to change some of the lyrics? Is she going to re-record? Is she just not going to re-record the song? Which was always silly. Of course, she was going to re-record the song. That would undermine the whole point of the project. Um, but she did. She changed one lyric. Um, in the original song, the chorus goes, she's not a saint and she's not what you think. She's an actress, uh, but she's better known for the things she does on the mattress. Mm-hmm. And she changed it in the re-record to he was a moth to the flame. She was holding the matches. Now, this is a good, this is a, actually a good, this is a good lyric. It is. It's fine. It's fine. It's a good lyric. It's good imagery. And it makes the point actually kind of perfectly, which is that he is the one that chose to leave her. But, you know, she was holding the matches. She asked him to. Uh, so, like, it's good. Like, it's good. It's, it's good. It's good imagery. It's a good line. Um, it's not nearly as punchy as the original. Um, but if Taylor, like, if changing this line, and my other big, more than anything else, if the changing of this specific lyric made it easier for Taylor to re-record this song and have fun doing it, I'm happy. It's her song. It's her album. Good. The thing for me about the whole change. The T. The T. The thing for me is it just, it feels pointless because, okay, you changed that one lyric, but the rest of the song is still the same. It's still like the, that one lyric alone was not the issue. <laughs> That's, yeah. like, maybe it's, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it was just. The song is still, the premise of the song is still that you're calling her a whore. That is still the song. Uh, I think it's just less, less. It's just less explicit. Less explicit. Yeah, which I think is probably that's probably the reason why it's changed. The thing, the real one for me is that okay, you changed the mattress line, but the line, um, and this is always my favorite lyric in the song, so I'm happy it's not gone. (laughs) But the the line, um, no amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity, is still there. And to me, that's so much worse. <laughs> that is a much worse implication to me. Because, okay, she's better known for what she does on the mattress. She sleeps around. To me, like, like, yes, she's saying it insultingly, but that's like a neutral statement, ultimately. Like, it's, like, it can be true and neutral and not a bit, like, okay, yeah. 
Maybe she does have lots of sex. I don't know. I don't know what Camila Bell was up to in 2007. I'll fuck. <laughs> I mean, if she was, it's cool. If she was, it's cool. Like, it's it's kind of whatever. <laughs> but to say, but no amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity. Like, the, the like what that line means is you're a whore. You have no dignity. <laughs> Even if you dress yourself up, up in preppy outfits. And so it's like. <laughs> I think it's it's mainly just. Trying to remove the explicitness of that, like, sexual nature. You know what I mean? Like, sure. there's sure. something to that, I think, that probably made her feel it uncomfy. Is. And I think that she feels that, like, like she changed it because she wanted to change it. And I'm happy, again, like I said, if she feels better about this with this lyric, then good. Um... Well, it is called Taylor's version, so... (laughs) And that's the whole point. That's just the thing for me, is to me, it just feels, it feels kind of pointless. I'm like, the rest, like, the rest of the song is still the same. Like, it's still about how this woman, it's still about how this woman's a whore who stole your boyfriend. Yeah. Little massage, he has a treat, like, misery business. I, I, I... I do like misery business, but it is a little misogynistic. It is, but you know, we grow up. We grow up. It's the same thing. Haley Williams wrote that song when she was like sixteen, seventeen years old, and now she's thirty-five. Who fucking cares? Yeah, that's we not really a big don't deal. need to sit around and be super mad about it. It doesn't have to matter. And to be mad at what a teenager said. Yeah, the only reason it really needs to be a t- point of conversation now is because Taylor is re-recording the album. Yeah, which is a, she did a great job with it, by the way. And it sounds fantastic, and I loved it, and everybody should go stream it right now. Um, But I have to run. Yeah, no, it's fine. I figure this would be a shorter episode. Uh, We're we're working with our, folks, listen, we're we're, we're working with our schedules. So um, we're we're always going to have episodes, uh, but it'll be like, with different people at different times. I'll try and keep my schedule for releasing things on Monday, but I'm busy too. So if I'm late, sorry about that, everybody. We've all got um, new jobs. And so everybody's schedule, all of the gals, our schedules are a little wonky. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we're doing our best and we love you and we're figuring it out. Yes. Um, you can find me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter or the Final Whore on TikTok. I really do need to need to scooty scoot. Thank you for working with me with this today, Crystal. I love you. Of course, too. love you too. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> uh, so uh, quickly, I'm Crystal Williams. You can follow me on on Twitter at Crystal W Rocks. Uh, I I also have a Blue Sky account, uh, which is the same thing. Uh, yeah, go check my stuff out. And, uh, until we see you next, on the next episode, thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody.